What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today. And bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. My name is Chris Ryan. It's The Answer. I am joined as always by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? How's it going, Chris? I'm doing well. Today we are doing a tale of two cities. We are going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls and the Phoenix Suns, but specifically we're going to ask the question, what makes a mid-market team desirable? And I'm sure somewhere out there, many Chicagoans just said, who are you calling mid-market? <laughs> who are you calling... Who you call it mid market, but I think that like it's worth worth having a conversation about. You know, if you're outside of the New York and LA nexus of the NBA, if you don't have a, a Giannis type superstar to attract additional talent, if you're not sitting on a boatload of picks, whatever it is, if you're just like one of those kind of mid tier mid market teams, how do you make yourself desirable to the next free agent class to anybody who might want to be agitating for a trade out of say Philadelphia or Washington or Portland. How do you get into those sweepstakes? And generally, how do you run your franchise from the middle? So I thought that this would be a fun thing. You have, you have a lot of interesting thoughts today. Uh, I can't wait to get into. So do you want to start with Chicago or you want to start with Phoenix? Let's start with Chicago and let's start with, with what you said about been your, the big This market, has been but... your, your passion project. I think the bulls have been your preseason <laughs> passion project. They definitely have. They definitely have. I actually, I used to be a Bulls fan. And like, after, you know, watching the new front office sort of like clean out the muck of the Garpax era, I don't know if I would ever become a fan again. I just don't know if I have the emotional capacity in me. It's just been like, it's been a long 10 years. Uh, but I'm starting to just like, I'm 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 a little bit, se- I'm a little bit sentimental about the Bulls. So... Yeah, it's it's like let's let's jump in. Let's jump in. I think like your point about the 
Bulls being considered a mid-market team is really interesting because it kind of gets to what I want to talk about today, which is the fact that like our idea of what a large market is, is like very skewed. Like in the lexicon of like, you know, of NBA language, I guess, um, the Bulls aren't necessarily considered a big market, even though they're the third biggest market in the NBA. Like you kind of have like New York and LA and like the two teams there. Um, And then you even get Miami, um, even though Miami is not a large market at all, but we obviously know it's attractive to to players and and pretty much anybody who's ever been alive um, for obvious reasons. Um, And then you also have, you know, you have some teams like, you know, like the Golden State Warriors who started to be considered a larger market. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of like we started to finally clump in like the entire Bay Area, which then like obviously makes them a larger market, whereas... You know, before the Steph Curry era, I think people would have called the Warriors a smaller market, even though, sure. like, the geography doesn't change at all, right? Um, so, that like, there's there's a ton of teams like that. I watched it with the Raptors. Uh, they went from, you know, considered a small market team to now there's a consideration of the fact that even though they're in Canada, they are, like, I think a top five or six uh, TV market. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting how these things shift over time and the Bulls. The Bulls are very interesting. So we're going to talk about the Bulls and the Suns. Um, The Bulls are a team that always kind of punches below their market weight. Um, Not all of that is their fault. Uh, The weather is obviously a real thing. Um, And it's also not necessarily, even though it is a big market, it might not be like necessarily like the most attractive to um, a a young person. Now, please, no, like nobody in Chicago come after me. Like, let's just let's just leave it as it is. Um, But at the same time, uh, I think Bulls fans have always had the sense that this team should be like far more attractive than it is. And it never quite has been other than in the Jordan era. Yeah. I think that we're talking about a couple of different things here. There's a um, a television market, which in this day and age, I, I don't even know how much that actually matters anymore. You know, I, I think in a league pass era, in an era where there's national games, um, three to four nights a week in an era where most people can just look at their phone and watch LaMelo Ball highlights or watch Brandon Ingram highlights or watch Jalen Green highlights or watch guys on the G League Ignite highlights. There's really not this barrier to entry where you like have to be in New York, Chicago or Los Angeles to get any kind of national platform. That being said, I think we still have like these kind of older ideas about like there are certain big muscle cities out there and that they somehow um, deserve, whether through uh, historical traditions like Chicago and, and Jordan and being a, basically like the cream of the NBA crop for the better part of a decade, or um, just because we think they have like a kind of reputation within the country of of being big. You know what I mean? Like, And it, it's sometimes it's a chicken and the egg thing. It's like... Detroit was the heartland of like the sort of heartbeat of American industry for a very long time. Then it's not, but then it kind of feels like it is again because of Detroit, the Detroit Pistons. And then it's not. And, you know, I think especially when you're looking, uh, when we talk about mid-market, we're often talking about the middle of the country, you know, and it was interesting to kind of look at, um, say, like the Bucks. So when we were, when you first brought this idea up that we wanted to talk about mid-market teams, I kind of went through the Bucks rosters over the last decade, you know, and just to see what what they were as a as as like a team. If if you don't have Giannis, like what are you selling? What are you sort of trying to do here? And it's really 
you know, custard. as much as yeah, it's custard. It's it's good beer. I don't even know if the if the craft beer scene was alive and well back in the early 2010s. But I'm I, when you go back to like say year two Giannis, it's pretty it's pretty slim pickings on that team on that on that Bucks team when it was still Jason Kidd. I think Jabari's rookie year that is like 15, 16. And you're just kind of like, oh, wow, like this is Michael Carter Williams. This is like, this is Chris Copeland is on this team. Like, I don't even, I would, how did we get from in 15, 16 to the championship team in 2021? It's like, well, it's Giannis. It, it's got to be this generational star. It's got to be somebody who can kind of transcend whatever limitations either the size of the city has or like you were saying with Chicago, maybe some of the kind of things that people are like, I don't really want to live in Chicago in the winter. You know what I mean? I don't really want to live in Detroit in the winter. I don't really want to live in Milwaukee in the winter. You have to have somebody who shines bright enough to warm it up. They also have an interesting thing that I think uh, I think there are small markets who do a really good job of playing into their identity and also in attracting whether it's free agents or players that they trade for or draft um, that would be into that type of lifestyle. Uh, like Chris Middleton, for example, like all that dude wants to do is, is like, I, I don't know if he smokes cigars, but like I just imagine him this entire summer like in in charleston like on the beach smoking cigars and like just chilling like maybe he has a dog or something um like that dude just wants to hang out you know mm -hmm. he wants to relax um drew holiday also like seems like we had like a, like the feature i wasn't here, here at the time but like haley o'shaughnessy wrote a huge feature about drew holiday and just like him just being like a chill dude and like well, i think it was like what like his cabin or farmhouse or something like that um and like you know, they they drafted Middleton in the second round. They traded for Drew. Like like the Bucks are impressively homegrown. Mm -hmm. um, but they like they play into into who they are. Um, and there are smaller market teams that do a really good job of that. I think Denver is one of those teams where like uh, it's interesting. Like uh, Iguodala in his in his book wrote about how he loved Denver after leaving uh, Philadelphia because it was like this place where he could just like grab a coffee and walk around and like nobody would bother him and he could go for a hike if he wanted. And he just had this like nice insular life where he just trained and there weren't a lot of distractions. And like, you know, I think, I think like on, on some level, like obviously like there's like young people that have a lot of money, <laughs> uh, want to do a lot of different things with it. But like, there's also that side to it yeah. where like, if you, if you uh, advertise yourself as that, then I think that you can attract that type of element. Um, and you can also like, you know, the the Nuggets have also kind of like, I don't know how much of this is intentional, but they've also drafted kind of guys that are, that are like that. I think the Grizzlies have drafted guys that are like, like very connected to the places that they're in and are like from smaller areas like John Morant going to, going to Murray State. Um so it's really interesting, like, and the, those teams, like, are small. I think they're, like, kind of below what we would consider, like, this, the, the Suns and the Bulls, right? Like, they yeah. are definitely smaller markets. Um, but I'd say, like, a team like Denver in the last five years has made itself significantly more attractive. As, uh, even the ten, 10 years has made, it, made itself, like, significantly more attractive um, than I think, like, even a team like the Bulls has been for free agencies, which is really interesting for free agents, which is really interesting. So how, how much do you think that that has to do with Jokic and how much of it do you think it has to do with the fact that Colorado is beautiful? I'd say both, right? Like Jokic is like kind of like a perfect fit in, in that city. Um, I, I went down there like a couple of years ago and 
like I heard that like all Jokic and his brothers did was like go to this like beautiful park. I can't remember what it's called now and play spike ball. Mm-hmm. Like that's like all they did. And like that's like kind of like just like who he is. And like it, I think like it probably once your star is like that, then you can kind of start like I think building a team that like mentally is in that space. You know, the Denver situation is also similar, I think, to the Utah situation in that I think you probably have to um, find guys who really are going to want to stay there and really want to mm-hmm. buy into the idea of like, yeah, Utah is maybe not where I dreamed of, of living when I was growing up, but this is like actually a good place to raise a family. Quality of life is pretty high, you know, and in especially in the case of Utah, I would imagine you're pretty aware of the fact that um, the Jazz are like the lifeblood of that city. They're the, mm-hmm. the, the one professional team in, in Salt Lake City and in and, and Utah itself. So you're probably like the only show in town outside of like Utah college football and college basketball. So that's got to be like something that you weigh when you go into mm-hmm. it. There's also cultural differences. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> but I, I think that Utah probably looks for players who are going to understand that coming in, you know, Mm. watching them kind of, I've been watching with interest over the summer as a couple of, of bigger NBA reporters, not the least of which Jackie McMullen and Brian Windhorst haven't said like Donovan Mitchell is not, is losing patience in Utah, but have just been Mm. like, watch this space, you know? And I think that there's a lot of um, Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks kind of like, wish fulfillment out there or wishful thinking out there, but that Donovan would be the guy who, you know, Utah would love to have like be the next Carl Malone in terms of as like a, a lifelong jazz player. But you know, who, who knows how long he wants to be in Utah? Like who knows whether or not he wants to take his stuff, his, his career somewhere a little bit bigger to get back to the bulls. Their offseason was really interesting because I think that there was a little bit of uh, bet hedging going on with the way that they put their team together. At once, um, making their team a little bit more attractive for Zach Levine to want to stay and also preparing for life after Zach Levine if they decide they don't necessarily want to commit the farm to him, right? Well, the Zach Levine situation is interesting in and of itself because... I mean, so he signed with uh, he signed with Clutch this summer, which could also just mean nothing. Um, mm-hmm. Draymond Green signed with Clutch and then re-signed with uh, with the Warriors. Um, you know, Clutch has kind of become like an interesting bogeyman just because we happen to know uh, who they are. They're kind of like the Kyrie Irving of the NBA. Um, and uh, so, so they, yeah. So just the fact that there are whispers though at a time like this, like when they have like added they added DeMar DeRozan they added Lonzo Ball um two free agents which is notable because this team doesn't attract free agents um and like let's get into the history of that a little bit so um after I mean we've all watched the last dance um the last dance and everything that happened after it was very recent history to let's say somebody like Kevin Garnett who who said something along the lines of like after the way that they did Jordan like and and Pippen and just like breaking up that team like if you could treat the biggest dynasty of all time like that like how are you going to treat me like that was kind of like the reputation that the Bulls had for a while to the point that like in 2010 when they were trying to get Dwayne Wade who was from Chicago mm-hmm. to come over Wade basically just played them like stalled them out because they knew that they were huge free agent players too 
um, re-signed with Miami. Um, Chris Bosh obviously signed with Miami. LeBron signed with Miami. Omari to New York. Uh, a whole bunch of free agents in that class uh, decided not to go to the Bulls. And the Bulls got Carlos Boozer, who was like a big free agent at the time, but like not like the guy that like you were really going after. Sure. And that was like, that was probably like the most success that they had in free agency up until this summer. Um, there was a Jimmy Butler situation, uh, which, you know, I think now looking at Jim, like, let's like the other thing is like, interesting. Like Jimmy Butler never wanted to be traded from Chicago. He um, just wanted to run Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he wanted Fred, like he definitely didn't want Fred Hoiberg coaching him. Um, yeah. And they chose they chose Hoiberg, but they also cho chose like not to pay him. They decided that he wasn't worth a supermax, which, in hindsight, like big oops. Um, and like that is something that I don't think is like like I think it's reasonably fresh in in people's mind. Like I mean, and also like Jimmy's a popular player. Dwayne Wade was a popular player, right? Like, um, like that reputational thing is. Now, maybe with like Garpax being out, which also took a while, could be changing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chicago has a lot of prodigal sons. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. always been this, Anthony kind, Davis. this kind of weird hole where you think, I think, so especially, I, I don't know how much it is for somebody your age, but growing up, I think that there was still like a little bit of a more of a connective tissue between where guys went to high school, bat, play high school ball, mm -hmm. where they went to play college ball. And then even after that, like where they might be interested in playing pro ball if they got the chance down the line. So um, that I think has dissolved over the years. Like I fam you know, famously remember, you know, all the kind of chatter about like the Wizards being like players for mm -hmm. KD and KD being like, yeah, I don't actually want to go home again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I don't really want to play where yeah, I grew I left. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And in a lot of ways, like I feel like I'm not getting into his psychology, but mm -hmm. like Kevin Durant seems a lot more like enthusiastic about Austin, Texas than he does the DMV in terms of like, when you see him out, he's like, he's like still, he still reps for, for the Longhorns and still like follows their college football and college basketball teams really passionately. I know he loves the DMV, but like, I don't think that he's like, it's my duty as a player to go play for the Wizards and revive pro hoops in the Washington DC area. Right. Like I, I don't think he looks at that as his responsibility. Yeah. I think guys are now, and maybe this is, I mean, maybe this is just a larger like societal thing too. Like I think young people just want to move more than they ever have before yeah. and they have like the means for it. And like, it's just kind of, kind of something that happens more now. So you want to search for home in a way. Right. Um, and I think that players definitely seem to reflect that. Like there seems to be like this, this craving to like, you know, just take the next step of the hero's journey like find out who you are in a different place it's just like a craving for honestly like more, probably like self-actualization more than anything else yeah um which which i think kind of like can bring us back to levine who has never had like an actual choice in where he's played and only ever been in dysfunctional situations um so i guess the question kind of becomes like in this next year like can't and and the year prior to that when you know Arturos and uh and and Eversley, Eversley took over hired Billy Donovan um is that enough time to to clean up the muck and also show Levine like hey look like we have we have like surrounded you with like some really solid talent um that might make us a little bit cap strapped like would you take like a little less money to 
to play here. Or on the other end of it, it's like, you know, they do have the ownership group. Like, it didn't necessarily change, but Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't run things as much as his son Michael does. Is Michael going to be as... You know, does, is he going to pinch, Michael pinch have the Jerry's wallet? pin number? Like, is that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is, that, is the pocket exactly. Book open? Exactly. Like, does he have like the same like spending limit uh, as uh, as as Jerry? Like, does the card just stop working after you hit a certain exactly. point in the year? Um, so those are like the two interesting things, and it kind of shows you like, I think a how difficult it is for a franchise to really get out of the muck unless it like really cleans house um which the bulls i feel like lucked into like i don't think like jerry was ever going to get rid of garpacks even you know despite the billboards despite the embarrassment at all-star um and just like how far the the franchise had, had fallen um but they kind of like keyed into this weird opportunity where this might actually happen for them yeah you know i i, I noted with interest today the 538 their some of their their projections came out i think i believe today uh, for the season, and the Bulls are projected to finish tenth uh, on five thirty-eight. Yeah, really. Yeah, so and... they don't they don't think they're a top four seed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's say that's let's say that happens. Let's say um, Nate Silver yeah. gets this prediction right, and um, no, I mean just let's just say this five thirty-eight <laughs> projection is right, and um, the Bulls finish tenth. In some ways, they might be able to say. Hey, okay, so this didn't work. We have no defense. The guard rotation never worked out. It turns out Caruso doesn't look as good out from under LeBron's wing. It turns out DeRozan um, and Levine can't share the court. Whatever, whatever. Vooch is just like an empty stats calories guy. Let's just say all those things happen. Pat Williams stays hurt, something. Mm -hmm. They can feasibly, I guess they could say, it's time to tear it down and build it back up again. I mean, Chicago's right on the precipice of where very few teams want to be, which is paying a lot of money for an average result. Most teams are like, we'll either suffer being bad and keep our powder dry and try and get either that generational player in the, as a draft pick and, and have cap room, and then hopefully things fall in the right order and we, we get ourselves out from, from the basement here. Or they're a top team and they've got great talent and they can kind of mix and match the P.J. Tuckers of the world with whoever they have. Chicago's like right in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. And they're essentially where I guess Phoenix was a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. They're in a, they're in kind of a, a similar space to Phoenix, I'd say. Like probably, I mean, Phoenix has been a weird, like I, no one really... Like that that ESPN article that came out, um, the one that Kevin Arnovitz wrote about the the goat shit and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Don't need to go over all of that. But one of the things that was really interesting at the end of it was that um, there was a perception within the league, like you know, GMs and and front offices will rank who what they think the direction of opposing franchises are. Um, in order to figure out, like, you know, who they can work with for, like, you know, a certain team that might be contending for a championship, well, they might be easier to get a first-round pick from as opposed mm -hmm. to, like, a team that's in the rebuilding process. Um, and nobody could figure out the direction that the Suns were taking, right? right? Which is a problem in and of itself, like, that being in that, like, middle space of, like, wait, are you guys, like, really trying to tank right now? Or are you going to, like, you know, delude yourself into thinking that you can make a playoff push with this? with this team um and like that middle space uh just to like bring it back to the bulls for like before we move on to the yeah, Suns, no, sure. um like 
that middle space that they're in, like that, the fact that like, you're right, they could be a 10 seed. I'm definitely higher on them. Um, like, I don't, I don't know. Like they, I really feel like they have enough talent. Like there's too much talent on this team unless like, re- like catastrophic injuries happen for them to not make the playoffs. Like you can, you can have a really good offense and, and not play a lot of defense and make the playoffs in the East. Like, you know, as long as you have like competent players, um, like look at the, you know, like they should be better than like the wizards were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like, that's not necessarily the point, and I think that's my point. Um, like, if they can just, like, get out of the muck and, like, you know, be a franchise that wins... Like, let's say they win more games than they lose. That is, like... I, I just wonder, like, what the psychological impact of that becomes for the future of the franchise. Not even necessarily this iteration of players. Because this iteration of players, like, there is definitely a ceiling on them. I'd say, like, the one thing that gives them a little bit more... Um, potential is the fact that, like, they do have, like, some really young players on the team. Like, Patrick Williams could really, I mean, that guy could evolve into anything at this point. Um, he's obviously going to be very important to their defense this year, but, like, if, like, you know, if five years from now, the guy's, like, you know, a, like a poor man's PG, I would not be shocked by, en- like, at all. If he's better than that, it still wouldn't be shocking. Um, Lonzo's still only 23. Caruso's young. Like, so they have some like potential for for improvement within the team but largely they are cap strapped and they don't have a lot of first round picks yeah so they it would take like some luck for them to go from like being like a team that maybe wins a playoff round to doing more than that um but i wonder when a franchise is like this much in like just complete like beyond mediocrity it's like something else it's it's like like well, it's like, where mediocrity like languishing. can they're, start they're to like feel. languishing yeah right <laughs> it starts it's like where mediocrity can start to feel like purgatory because as you were talking yeah. about the bulls and what they yes, could exactly. do this year iron like not ironically i guess but like in the circle of life i was like oh the bulls could be the knicks like yes the bulls yes. could have yes. a feel-good city season where the entire town rises up they get a great catchphrase you know feel the horns or whatever they want to do like with their with Mm -hmm. like like a logo and then you know we get like some great some great fan content from them in their first round playoff before they like get annihilated it's like vibes yeah right they need vibes they need vibes yeah but unlike the bulls who very savvily have like kind of like surrounded this whole roster with guys on two-year deals who are easily packageable for a star contract, even though they've got some, you know, they've got the Kemba, like, homecoming deal, and they've got Derrick Rose revival, and they've got Julius Randle playing himself into all-NBA contention and all that. They actually are in a place where they can be super, super flexible, and they can go and jump for a Beal or a Lillard or mm-hmm. hell, even whoever, Kyrie Irving, whoever they might be interested in trying to get involved with. Whereas Chicago, it feels a little bit more like we've tied ourselves to this roster, yeah. right? Like this is DeR- DeRozan. We, we may, have, may have overpaid for DeRozan. They may have tampered to get <laughs> Lonzo. Yeah. And now they've got Levine, who... Seriously, like I'm saying, Levine is not taking five cents less than what he thinks he can get on the open market stay in Chicago. Yeah, you, probably not. I, I mean, is it, have we seen a single example? You can, I mean, maybe it happens in the way that they structure the deal or something, but I cannot imagine him being like, yeah, I really believe 
in what uh, my good friends in Chicago Bulls ownership are doing right now. So exactly. let me let me give them a, a discount. He's not from Chicago. There's no hometown discount. Well, there was, there's also like a heap of shit that he had to walk through to exactly. get to this place, right? So it's not like he's going to have like all this trust in the organization, nor necessarily should he. Like this is a new front office and they're certainly like, we can, I, I think we can already agree that they're better than Garpax, but like we don't really know that much about them. And we also don't know the extent to which even if it is a a new front office, like how much of it is going to be controlled by ownership? Like when, you know, when the rubber really hits the road, um, what's it going to look like? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like, I would be curious what it looks like if like, let's say, let's say the Bulls make like a solid second round showing, like they lose, you know, I, I really don't, I don't see this team. Like I would, I, I'm like probably the biggest Bulls believer. So you think in, they're, in the universe, they're not like, in the I think, play in game mix. You think that they get in? No, I think like they're a, better than that. Yeah. Six, fifth, I just, whatever. Yeah. T- they have, they have really good, like they signed a lot of really good players and I think their defense is going to be like, not good, but like Alonzo Caruso front court and then Patrick Williams coming back. That's three plus defenders in your starting lineup. It's like it's not as dire as mm-hmm. as it's being made out to be. Like Vooch can't guard a pick and roll for his life. And and Damar hasn't played defense in five years. But um, <laughs> you know, like it's it, it's enough of a balance for the, like the fact that like they you had they mid run low. <laughs> you had it. <laughs> they run like they'll run enough. They're gonna be so explosive on offense. Like Billy Donovan is is a great coach. I as well like I think I believe in the fact that like he can he can construct the right offense and like so far with the amount that they're running and they're emphasizing running like it looks like they are doing the things that they should be doing and they're gelling really fast um and they have vets you know like they have a good mix of like vets and and young players I just feel like this is this is a good solid team you know it's not like a contender but it's a good solid team This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So let me ask you this. Let's let's do a Bucks Suns comparison here. 
So if you say Levine is Booker, like the the sort of um, not quite homegrown, but like, you know, pre-existing talent that is like a volume scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, basically, I think this really comes down to is DeRozan enough of a Paul substitute? Not necessarily mm-hmm. in like what he does on the court, but like, you know, to the extent that we can even know these things, like, do you think he is like a culture changer enough? Um like that he can be like, you know, this is how you get, I, I am DeMar DeRozan and I know how to win a few more games than 500, <laughs> you know, like, do you think he can help this team in the, in some similar ways to the ways like Chris Paul came in and like the table was set and Chris Paul finished the meal for Phoenix. That's a really good, um, like analogy, even like, I, I feel a little bit ashamed of having my head in like both of these two teams without realizing that they're essentially doing the same thing, which is like, they're trying to make the guy that they have happy by bringing in other people because right. they know that like how things were, um, wasn't working. I mean, obviously, okay. So like, let's start with the Chris Paul thing, right? Um, no, like Chris Paul is like a walking culture shifter. I think we saw that in OKC. He's a very demanding person. Um, it's just in his personality to, want to know the details of every single thing and to try to, you know, get everything up to up to par. Um, I'm sure that DeMar is going to be a positive veteran presence for this team. Um, and I think that's like probably necessary, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that he can have that level of impact. Uh, probably not the case for Lonzo or Caruso either. Um for for the Bulls, I feel like it's more of like an on-court upgrade. Um, whereas as Chris Paul and Monty Williams too, like like the, the that combination, um, like I'll say like what I what I kind of heard about how things are in Phoenix is basically that like it's still like a pretty big mess, but like um Well, we're starting to hear a little part, bit of stuff like, about like, that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like Sar- Sarver is is kind of like toned it down in terms of like his input. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. It'll and last as long as until he has to make some decisions about how much money he wants to spend and whether exactly. he wants to get luxury taxed for this group of guys. Exactly. And, and which one of these guys, whether it's Aiton or Bridges, mm-hmm. yeah. he's not going to pay because I don't think yeah. he's going to pay all of them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and like we are at that place with Aiton right now where mm-hmm. like there was some reporting prior to the season about the fact that like they weren't able to you know, come to a number that both sides agreed on. Um, and that, so like, there's, there's a number of different things that happen there. So like, essentially like what I heard was like, basically just like, you know, Chris Paul and Monty are like holding down the fort. Like it is just like their, for their force of personality combined with the fact that like now, you know, that is rubbed off on, on, on Booker. Um, and it's also like Booker's always been a serious player, but I think like the younger you are, the less like sort of like global influence you can have on a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, James Jones is, Jones is, like, doing a good job because he's being left alone. And that's, like, kind of the biggest issue um, with, with like, the Suns. Most of the Suns' bad decisions have been, like, somewhat influenced by, like, unsteadiness with, like, with ownership. Like, I remember I was going back through, like, thinking about some of the bad decisions that they've made in the past. And, like, oh, yeah, that summer, that disastrous summer, um, I think it was, like, 2015, mm-hmm. um, where they, they signed they were in negotiations with Eric Bledsoe and then like in the middle of that, they signed Isaiah Thomas. Well, that was because like they weren't able to get like, it was like the McDonough front office wasn't able to get like the money that they needed to make Eric happy. But then they were starting to get afraid that he would leave. So as like 
in the middle of those negotiations, they started looking at other options and they thought that they might have to go with that. Then they get they end up being able to have Bledsoe and everyone's like, why do you have three point guards on this team? Like Goran Dragic was also on this team, right? Yeah. And they end up trading Isaiah Thomas and like that whole that whole situation. Um, and that not all of that is on ownership. But ownership was kind of the fulcrum of that mess. And I think that like what that can do to a franchise is it can start to make the authority of somebody like Monty Williams or Chris Paul um, a little less strong because like Aiton bought in last year. Like mm-hmm. he he came into training camp. He was excited to play defense. He was thrilled to play with Chris Paul. He was like, you know, he was thinking about all the lobs that everybody else used to used to catch. And he knew that it was going to be good for him. Um, and he also, you know, went from like being like a number one pick, a number one pick that, by the way, like, you know, had to had to swallow the idea of like, OK, I'm not going to be able to like prove myself that like I should have been drafted over Luka Doncic, which he shouldn't have. But, you know, like just in or Trey Young. The, yeah. The, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, That like, you know, internally, that's like a thing for most people, especially if you're a professional athlete, like to be able to. um you know, subjugate that feeling that I don't know if he has that feeling. I'm I am assuming that he has that feeling. I would assume most people would um, to be able to subject subjugate like your own ego when like your reputation is in, is in the place that it was um, and like sacrifice touches and play defense for a team. Um, it like in in like a, a year that you could get an extension and then to not get that extension. Like, I just wonder how much he'll want to buy in this year not maybe not Aiton specifically right like they I it, it, they'll probably be fine just because they get to chase another championship but but that inconsistency in terms of like what you're asked to do and what you think will be the promise of that because ownership and and the front office aren't on the same page can make players not necessarily want to listen to what the coach wants them to do or to like not really know like what is actually in their best interest right yeah, I mean, you know, when we started this pod earlier, we were talking a little bit about Chicago's, um, the reasons why somebody might not want to play in Chicago. You mentioned the weather, you mentioned, you know, I mean, I think also like there's probably a little bit of like the weight of the legacy of that franchise. Like if as soon as you start playing well, it's like, well, you're not winning 67 games though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, and I think that that's a lot of it. But the flip side of that is that Phoenix is an incredibly attractive destination for mm-hmm. NBA players. In fact, I think you 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 were saying that like a lot of guys have off-season homes there or they train there. Um so it's like it's hard to it's hard to have like a definition of what makes a franchise desirable at any given time. You know, like I think sometimes uh I I I'm thinking a lot about this with Philly and the way that Daryl Morey's sort of handled the Ben Simmons uh saga to the extent that we're like able to know who did what when. But I think that there have been past Sixers administrations who would have played the Ben Simmons situation much differently, um, whether it was trade Ben as soon as possible to get out from under a stressful situation or um, cave to some of whatever demands that he may or may not have had or whatever. It's just like Daryl Moore just didn't do anything. And it seems to have worked out for the Sixers benefit right now. Um I don't know whether or not like a GM, like I don't know how much guys out there are like James Jones is really good. So I want to go to Phoenix or James Jones is really good, but I know that Robert Sarver is a little bit of a kook. So I don't want to go to Phoenix. Like, I don't know how much that stuff winds up mattering, but I think the, the true story of what we're talking about here is Phoenix has gone from a joke to promising to a finals team 
to now, like, are we sure they can keep it together in, what, 27 months? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like in a little bit more than two years. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a suggestion of how fast things could change for Chicago. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I think that the Bulls are in a really interesting spot because of, like, the positive aspects that they do have. Um, I wonder... I wonder how I imagine this is probably different for every player, but like I wonder how the Jordan aspect of it is like analyzed. Is is it like, well, I'm never going to be the number one guy there, so why bother? Or is it like, wait, it would actually be cool to play in this jersey because it is cool. And I wonder if like even like something like the Last Dance like gave gave the Bulls like maybe a little bit more cachet. Because, like, we all kind of just watched it. And, like, you know, there is, like, a weird sort of element of, like, when you... Like, there are teams that are cool in NBA history. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much that matters. And I think the Sixers are even one of those teams, too, where they're, like, they're cool. Um, and the Bulls are cool. And, like, you know, the Lakers, obviously, right? Um, it could... If they end up, like, just being... I think people crave stability, right? Like, it, you know, like, more more than anything else. That's essentially what we're talking about. I think people want to know what they can expect um when they go to like a new employer um and if the bulls can give that then like yeah it could be like the next stepping stone to like really become a player in in the east like could they go from this team that just really hasn't been relevant for the last 20 years aside from a few playoff runs um to then being like a real destination like to be on the other side of like like you said the knicks like where they could do it probably right now like you know Evan Fournier is one of the most tradable contracts yeah. like he's it's like he's kind of be, that that contract was signed to be traded um so so they could do it right away but like with the Bulls it's like can you build enough I don't know what it is like it probably is just stability to then in your next iteration like be a team like be like one of the players in free agency like the way that they thought they might be in 2010 or 2014 mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it's also a question of, as you go through all of these elite teams, all the teams that we feel like are contenders, the Bulls have an amazing assemblage of guys who I would say are, are killer bees. Like, they are just, like, very, very good second-level players. Levine, DeRozan, Lonzo, like, Vooch. All-star peripheral all-stars guys who Uh have made all-star teams guys who could make an all-star team if it things broke right for them there is no person on that team right now despite like how good zach levine has been on losing teams and and despite the fact that he won a gold medal that i would just be like this guy this guy can elevate us this guy's ready to elevate this entire team to the next level um i could be proven wrong with levine you know what i mean like i definitely like his game a lot and I think that he's been playing with pretty, like, player. Like, he's been playing with players who are beneath his talent level for quite some time now. I think that it'll be fascinating to see this kind of like all guards around Vooch lineup that they're going to be kind of running with, with the exception of Pat Williams, and just see see what they can get out of it. Yeah, Levine is like the Booker comparison with him is really interesting. I think those two guys have been like compared to each other quite a lot throughout their careers um bookers i mean i don't think it's really a question i think he's a better player but um maybe it is a question but um levine is still incredibly good and he put up all-star numbers last year he had like 27 points five five rebounds and five assists and it could be a similar situation to booker where like the same numbers 
end up just making him look a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. And he'll probably, I mean, I, I don't know what it'll shake out as. He's obviously going to handle the ball less, but he's also going to see a lot more free points. Um, but whatever whatever he shakes out at, if he's putting up those like spectacular numbers on a winning team, then he also just does become like the max guy that you have to pay that much money to. Like the only thing that's separating him from that is is the win total. So I'm actually kind of curious, like if they end up being good, like the reputational um, change there for Levine could be like pretty strong. Well, we'll keep our eye on Chicago all year. I feel yeah. like this is going to be a really be interesting litmus test. Sir, yeah. guess what we get to do next week? What? Talk about basketball. Like actual like basketball. basketball? Yeah. For the majority of this podcast, we've either had only like two two or three teams playing, you know, two or two to four teams playing because of the playoffs. Yeah. Or like we've been speculating about Ben Simmons. So now we get to actually talk about real games and real basketball. Yeah. Season tips off on Tuesday. Can I tell you even just like how fun this like this preseason has been just to like watch other teams? actual basketball? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Like this is this is the first time like with the podcast that I've actually like had to like pay attention to some level of what's going on with basketball like through the off season. And like, man, it's honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think we, you kind of felt it too. Like the Simmons stuff saved us, but it can be kind of a grind thing. You're like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, it's like me. Let's make this interesting, right? Like, We've definitely nice hit the like point where now everybody <laughs> is like, here's the obligatory Kyrie Ben update. But I was like, let's just not even talk about it today. Let's talk about, let's talk about our guy, Zach Levine. Um, yes. I'll see you Friday. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to Isaiah Blakely for producing us. This has been the Answer on the Ringer NBA show and the Ringer Podcast Network. See you next week for Real Hoops. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.